is Swipe Right for Sleep with Adriana. everybody and welcome to season two of Swipe Brave for Sleep. So in this season I'm going to talk to you about sleep facts like I normally do and then we're also going to listen to some stories that are just short stories. I think that this will be really fun and it will be completely different than it was with the Violet Fairy book. They will be from different authors and they will provide you with the sleepy time that you need. So let's start with some of our sleep facts. So the first thing is that you want to lower the temperature of your room. Now this sounds kind of counterproductive because we love to be warm when we sleep. But here's a fun fact for you. Your body temperature changes as you fall asleep. Core temperature decreases while the temperature of your hand and feet increases. If your room is too warm, you might have a hard time falling asleep, which I can totally attest to. When I am hot, I cannot sleep. And so I sleep with my fan on in my room and I just let it go full blast and then I can cuddle under my covers and all is well with the world. This reminds me of when I went on a trip with a couple of friends and the room was so warm for one of my friends and I was sleeping in a room with air conditioning. When my friend tried to go to sleep in the other room, she was miserable. So we put her by the air conditioner and she slept a little bit better. We were still in California and it was super warm. But this proves to you that having a lower temperature does help you sleep. I don't know about you, but I don't like to go to sleep sweaty. So the cooler the room, the better. The next thing that will help you fall asleep is to get on a schedule, which this is so hard for me. I love to stay up late. I'm a night owl. It's what I do. But many people find that setting a sleep schedule helps them fall asleep easier. Your body has its own regulatory system called the circadian rhythm. This internal clock cues your body to feel alert during the day but sleepy at night. Waking up and going to bed at the same times each day can help your internal clock keep a regular schedule. Once your body adjusts to the schedule, it will be easier to fall asleep and wake up around the same time every day. It's also important to get 7 to 9 hours of sleep each night. This has been shown to be the optimal sleep duration for adults. Lastly, give yourself 30 minutes to an hour to wind down in the evening before going to bed. This allows your body and mind to relax and prepare for sleep. So what are some things I do to wind down? I read, I self-reflect in a journal, I, you know, I meditate. There's just so many things you can do with your schedule. Now, this is something I'm not good at because I do go to sleep super late because I am awake late. It affects my sleep, so I'm tired during the day, but then I get that random second wind. It's so weird, but that's just how it goes. 
So it is important to practice yoga, meditation, and mindfulness because we're stressed. And when you're stressed, it is so hard to sleep. Yoga, meditation, and mindfulness are tools to calm the body and relax the body. They have been shown to improve your sleep. Yoga encourages the practice of breathing patterns and body movements that release stress and tension accumulated in your body. Meditation can enhance melatonin level and assist in the brain in achieving a specific state where sleep is easily achieved. Lastly, mindfulness may help you maintain focus on the present and worry less while falling asleep. If you're like me, I am thinking of everything that is due the next day, but that is not good for your sleep. And before we get going with the rest of this podcast, I would just like to thank www.healthline.com for those very good facts. Now, did you brush your teeth? Have a nice glass of water? Did you make your temperature of your room cool? Do you have a blanket? Are you in your pajamas? Are you ready to go? All right, let's start season two right now. This short story is called About Barbers by Mark Twain, a series of short stories that we will read, and they all have different categories. And this one is to be humorous. All things change except barbers, the ways of barbers, and the surrounding of barbers. These never change. What one experiences in a barber shop the first time he enters one is what he always experiences in a barber shop afterwards till the end of his days. I got shaved this morning as usual. A man approached the door from Jones Street as I approached it from Maine, a thing that always happens. I hurried up, but it was of no use. He entered the door one little step ahead of me, and I followed in on his heels and saw him take the only vacant chair, the only presided one over by the best barber. It always happens so. I sat down hoping that I might fall heir to the chair belonging to the better of the two remaining barbers, for he had already begun combing his man's hair, while his comrade was not yet quite done rubbing up and oiling his customer's locks. I watched the probabilities with strong interest. When I saw that number two was gaining on number one, my interest grew to solicitude. When number one stopped a moment to make change on a bath ticket for a newcomer and lost ground in the race, my solicitude rose to anxiety. When number one caught up again and both he and his comrade were pulling the towels away and brushing the powder from the customer's cheeks and it was about an even thing which one would say, Next! First, my very breath stood still with the suspense, but when at the culminating number one stopped to pass a comb a couple of times through his customer's eyebrows, 
I saw that he had lost the race by a single instant, and I rose indignant and quitted the shop to keep from falling into the hands of number two, for I have none of that inviolable firmness that enables a man to look calmly in the eyes of a waiting barber and tell him he will wait for his fellow barber's chair." I stayed out fifteen minutes and then went back, hoping for better luck. Of course, all the chairs were occupied now, and four men sat waiting, silent, unsociable, distraught, and looking bored, as men always do who are waiting their turn in a barber shop. I sat down in one of the iron-armed compartments of an old sofa and put in the time for a while reading the framed advertisements of all sorts of quack nostrums for dyeing and coloring the hair. Then I read the greasy names on the private Bayram bottles, read the names and noted the numbers of the private shaving cups in the pigeonholes, studied and stained and damaged cheap prints on the walls of battles, early presidents, and voluptuous recumbent sultanas. And the tiresome and everlasting young girl putting her grandfather's spectacles on excreted in my heart the cheerful cannery and the distracting parrot that few barber shops are without. I finally searched out the least dilapidated of last year's illustrated papers that littered the foul center table and combed their unjustifiable misrepresentations of old forgotten events. At last my turn came. A voice said, Next! And I surrounded two. Number two, of course. It always happened so. I said meekly that I was in a hurry, and it affected him as strongly as if he had never heard it. He shoved up my head and put a napkin under it. He plowed his fingers into my collar and fixed a towel there. He explored my hair with his claws and suggested that it needed trimming. I said I did not want it trimmed. He explored again and said it was pretty long for the present style. Better have a little taken off. It needed it behind especially. I said I had cut it only a week before. He yearned over it reflectively a moment and then asked with a disparaging manner, who cut it? I came back at him promptly with a, you did. I had him there. Then he fell to stirring up his lather and regarding himself in the glass, stopping now and then to get close and examine his chin critically or inspect a pimple. Then he lathered one side of my face thoroughly and was about to lather the other when a dogfight attracted his attention, and he ran to the window and stayed and saw it out, losing two shillings on the results in bets with the other barbers, a thing which gave me great satisfaction. He finished lathering and then began to rub the suds with his hand. He now began to sharpen his razor on an old suspender, and he was delayed a good deal on account of a controversy about a cheap masquerade ball he had figured out the night before in red cambric and bogus ermine as some kind of a king. He was so gratified with being chaffed about some damsel whom he had smitten with his charms that he used every means to continue the controversy by pretending to be annoyed with the chaffings of his fellows. 
This matter begot more surveyings of himself in the glass, and he put down his razor and brushed his hair with elaborate care, plastering an inverted arch of it down on his forehead, accomplishing an accurate part behind, and brushing the two wings forward over his ears with nice exactness. In the meantime, the lather was drying on my face and apparently eating into my vitals. Now he began to shave, digging his fingers into my countenance to stretch the skin and bundling and tumbling my head this way and that, as convenience and shaving demanded. As long as he was on the tough sides of my face, I did not suffer, but when he began to rake and rip and tug at my chin, the tears came. He now made a handle of my nose to assist him shaving the corners of my upper lip, and it was by this bit of circumstantial evidence that I discovered that a part of his duties in the shop was to clean the kerosene lamps. I had often wondered in an indolent way whether the barbers did that or whether it was the boss. About this time, I was amusing myself trying to guess where he would be most likely to cut me this time, but he got ahead of me and sliced me on the end of the chin before I had got my mind made up. He immediately sharpened his razor. He might have done it before. I do not like a close shave and would not let him go over me a second time. I tried to get him to put up his razor, dreading that he would make for the side of my chin my pet tender spot, a place which a razor cannot touch twice without making trouble, but he said he only wanted to just smooth off one of the little roughness, and in that same moment he slipped his razor along the forbidden ground, and the dreaded pimple signs of a close shave rose up smarting and answer to the call. Now he soaked his towel in bay rum and slapped it all over my face nastily, slapped it over as if a human being ever yet washed his face that way. Then he dried it by slapping with the dry part of the towel as if a human being ever dried his face in such a fashion. But a barber seldom rubs you like a Christian. Next he poked bay rum into the cut place with his towel then choked the wound with powdered starch, then soaked it with the bay rum again, and would have gone on soaking and powdering it forevermore, no doubt, if I had not rebelled and begged off. He powdered my whole face now, straightened me up, and began to plow my hair thoughtfully with his hands. Then he suggested a shampoo and said my hair needed it badly, very badly. I observed that I shampooed it myself very thoroughly in the bath yesterday. I had him again. He next recommended some of the Smith's Hair Glorifier and offered to sell me a bottle. I declined. He praised the new perfume, Joan's Delight of the Toilet, and promised to sell me some of that. I declined again. He tendered me a toothwash atrocity of his own invention, and when I declined, offered to trade knives with me. He returned to business after the miscarriage of his last enterprise, sprinkled me all over, legs and all, greased my hair in defiance of my protest against it, rubbed and scrubbed a good deal of it out by the roots, and combed and brushed the rest, parting it behind and plastering the eternal inverted arch of hair down on my forehead, 
and then while combing my scant eyebrows and defiling them with pomade, strung out an account of the achievements of six-ounce black and tan terrier of his till, I heard the whistles blow for noon, and I knew I was five minutes too late for the train. Then he snatched away the towel, brushed it lightly about my face, passed his comb through my eyebrows once more, and gaily sang out, Next! This barber fell down and died of apoplexy two hours later. I am waiting over a day for my revenge. I am going to attend his funeral. Hey there, dreamer. Are you still with me? Well, if you are, I hope you enjoyed that story. Follow us on our social media accounts. Twitter, swipe for the number four sleep and instagram at swipe right for sleep podcast visit our website www.swiperightforsleep.com and read our blog where i will post articles about the different sleep facts if you have any suggestions for future episodes drop us a line on our social medias website or email us at podcast at gmail.com. Want more? Listen to our previous season and look for more content coming soon. When you wake up, don't forget to rate us wherever you listen. This podcast could not run without our listeners. Good night, dreamer.